Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Renewables. I'm your host, Senior Vice President of Sales, David Smart at Biostar Renewables. We are very pleased to have Jason Ellsworth, the Organic Portfolio Manager from Wilbur Ellis with us today. We're going to talk organic farming, the growth of organics, and all the different um, things that Wilbur Ellis does to serve the organic and conventional markets, but we're, we're going to talk a lot about organics today. Jason, thank you so much for making the time. We really appreciate you coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, we've known each other for some time now, but for our, our listeners and viewers, if you don't mind just giving a little background about yourself and how you came to, uh, came to be working at Wilbur Ellis and in the organic space. Yeah, you bet. So I, uh, worked for the university of Idaho for five years. I was a soil fertility specialist, uh, focused on precision ag and just soil fertility in Southern uh, Idaho, working with uh, potatoes, sugar beets, wheat, uh, corn, alfalfa, and uh, was doing some precision ag. And then about uh, all, more than 15 years ago, a little more than 15 years ago, uh, came on with Wilbur Ellis as the uh, uh, field technology specialist in the Pacific Northwest and uh, manage the, our precision ag efforts in the, that part of the country. And then for a while uh, was part of our software as we built out Ag Verdict, which is our platform for handling uh, customer uh, and sales uh, agronomy data for the grower. And then for the last five years, uh, I have been managing our organic portfolio. So. Uh, the products that have a Wilbur Ellis name on them that are, are uh, approved for organic use. Fabulous. Yeah. And you touched on a couple different places there inside of Wilbur Ellis that you've worked. Tell us a little bit more about the company size, geography, the crops. I know you all obviously serve the conventional and organic markets, but download our viewers and listeners a little bit more on Wilbur Ellis and what it is that you all do. Yeah, you bet. So Wilbur Ellis is a family-owned company. It's been around for 100 years. We celebrated uh, our 100th anniversary last year. Uh, Wilbur Ellis has actually made a five divisions. Uh, the largest is the agribusiness, but we have a animal nutrition, large and small animal nutrition division. We have a trading company that mostly operates in the uh, Pacific Rim area. Uh, we have a liquid fertilizer company called Nature's, and then uh, we have an investment arm called Cavallo Ventures. But the ag business one, or the company as a whole, does about $3.3 billion in annual sales. We have 4,400 employees, uh, uh, have uh, offices in more than 20 countries in the world. The ag, division, the ag business division is the largest of the five divisions with about $2.1 billion in sales. Uh, there's 2,700 employees, 650 of those would be sales uh, agronomists, field sales agronomists. We have 160 branches in 20 states in the US. Um, 
mostly kind of we call it the horseshoe but uh, from if you go around the edge of the United States from Michigan Minnesota around uh, through the Pacific Northwest California Arizona and then over to Texas that's kind of been our bread and butter the specialty markets but the last 20 years 25 years we've really made a strong investment in the center of the state and building out our row crop market so we have uh, an office or a retail office in about every state west of the, or yeah, west of the Mississippi, and then several that uh, border the Mississippi, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio. So, excellent. Not a small company, uh, no. and and servicing all kinds of crops, kind of across the spectrum. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, well, I'm curious how long Wilbur Ellis has been serving the organic markets, but talk a little bit about um, both personally and from the Wilbur Ellis standpoint, you know, why do organics? Oh yeah, good question. So uh, of, of all the things you can do in agriculture, organic farming is one of the ones that's most, that closely, most closest represents what we learned in school about agronomy. Um, you know, to be an organic grower, to be an organic uh, field consultant, you really have to understand the agronomy of how things work, the, the soil, the plant, the insects, the weeds. Uh, we don't have the luxury of scouting a field, seeing a problem, going into the barn, getting a product, making an application and solving the problem. We have to put things in motion and do things long before we've even planted the seed to uh, ensure that we have a good crop, a successful crop. And so there's, you get to really use all the agronomy uh, that, that you learned. And so that makes it a, a challenge. But Wilbur Ellis as a company, you know, we've always had organic products, products that were approved for organic use. Um, but it's just been the last few years where we've really put a, a, a sustained focus on not only the products, but also working with organic growers. And we have a few, not a few, several sales agronomists in the field that call on organic customers and, and have um, spent a lot of time in, in working with those growers and learning the system and, and in helping them. And then they come to us and say, hey, these are some product ideas. These are some things that we need. And then as a, as a portfolio manager, uh, one of my main responsibilities is, is bringing those, you know, finding that product for them. Now, we, as a distributor, we sell a lot of organic products. I mean, anything that's on the market, we distribute. Um, but the branded products, ones I'm responsible for, are ones that we put a lot of extra uh, attention to in terms of research and in, and in marketing in order to understand how those products work alone but also how they work in a program and we know that in the organic agriculture these programs both on nutrition and pest control an integrated program for both of those is is a key and so we spend a lot of time in research understanding those programs and how those products work together and then that gives you know makes our sales agronomists successful in working with a grower and solving the problems that that grower has are you seeing a lot of growth? Are you seeing a lot of customers that maybe started with 
I don't know, 500 acres or a thousand acres and they're continuing to convert, um, you know, land over to organic production. Talk a little bit about some of the growth you see. Yeah. And, and the largest area of that is in the Midwest. I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing and hearing about growers that are uh, transitioning large acreages over. And, and, you know, one of the challenges was, is we had the, Oh, it's been what, six years ago, maybe it's only been five where we had the, um, you know, a couple of boats come in of soybeans that, uh, you know, started out conventional and somewhere on the ocean, they, be, they became organic. And, and so there's the frustration with the fraud of, of products that are claiming to be organic and aren't. And, and so if growers in the U.S. are saying, well, hey, we'll fill that gap. And so they're transitioning soybeans and corn uh, to organic. And that's been the largest by far, but we're still seeing increases in, in vegetables and, and trees and fruit as we figure out better ways of, of fertilizing and taking care of pests and, and enabling these growers to be successful, all of that's still growing. And, and I, I don't see it stopping anytime soon. Well, it's really exciting. And uh, we're seeing the same thing. Of course, a lot of our listeners and viewers know we make an organic fertilizer product. And uh, when we started making that product, you know, almost a dec- a little over a decade ago, it was really, really focused um, in fruits and vegetables. And there's a lot of excitement around our business as as we see the same thing. You are a lot of the small grains and a lot of the Midwest, um, you know, acres being transitioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you touched a little bit on some of the challenges that that you face. One thing I think is so cool about your job, and we've talked about this and hard about your job, is that um, you might have a product that you think is really good and it, it, you're going to fit it into this program, say in Ohio, but that product, you know, fits differently in a different program in Arizona or California. And so having to understand the different parts of the country, the different soils, it's really complex uh, what you all do and uh, developing these programs with, with your growers. So talk about that. Talk about some of the other kind of challenges uh, with respect to organic production? Oh, well, the, the challenge is, is, is understanding um, agronomy. And sometimes we take for granted uh, things that, that, we, that we thought we knew. And uh, Mother Nature has a way of saying, no, that's not how I work. And so mm-hmm. um, understanding uh, uh, that. You know, we, uh, I, I tell people, look, every grower in the country has a spreadsheet, a piece of paper, a napkin somewhere where they've tried to pencil out, you know, is it, is it worth it transitioning over to organic? And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a, you know, there's, a, you know, one thing, or sometimes it's a myriad of things that prevent them from, from making that jump. And, and one of them is, you know, the product that you mentioned is, you know, is a, is a fertilizer, a particular fertilizer, a, you know, that they need, or it's maybe it's a, a, a good weed control or an insect control product. And, and so it's, you know, as we figure those things out and bring those things to market, that's just one more grower that's, that, you know, it checks that box. It says, okay, I think I have the tools I need to be successful. And so what are the challenges? It's, it's, it, you know, any one grower, it's the thing that they find most important. Um, that, that 
it prevents them from making that jump. And so it's trying to understand what those needs are and finding a product that meets that. And, you know, it may be hardware, it could be a piece of equipment, it could be climate, you know, they're just not in an area that's, that's conducive or, um, there's a lot of different challenges and it's, it's, and the challenge and the fun thing about it is trying to figure out what those are and help, help them figure that out and, and do something so that they can be as successful in their farming. Yeah, that's fascinating. And um, there's a lot to know. I'm certainly not an agronomist, but I always uh, hang out with Alan Philo and kind of try to be a sponge around him, learning learning as much about this stuff as I can. Uh, one thing we talk a lot about, and um, we're doing a lot of research on here at Biostar, and, and I know a lot of folks are working on right now, it's a hot topic, is soil health. And just curious, some of your observations uh, of the effects of organics on soils and the surrounding ecosystems and um, how, you know, if is organics really good for soil health? I, I'd love to hear kind of your take on that. No, <laughs> a lot of the things that we recommend for people to do in organic farming are, are not uh, tied or specific to organic farming. They're, they're practices that I think everybody should be using. Uh, you know, when we talk about soil health, the factors that really and truly influence soil health are tillage, you know, how much or how little or, 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 or what, uh, rotations, crop rotations, uh, cover crops, uh, the way we manage our irrigation, and all of that are really the key factors that influence the soil and, and good soil health, you know, and, and, and if we manage that, I mean, that's not, that's just good soil science. It's just good agronomy independent of, of organic or conventional farming. And those are things that, that people should be doing anyway, all the time. And now, now can everybody do it the same? No, because when you, as you move from the East coast to the West coast, there's changes in soil texture and type there's changes in, in soil moisture and, and precipitation. And those limit the things that you can do. But there are things that all of us can do independent in relation to tillage, rotations, and cover crop that will get us to a point where we have a good, healthy soil uh, that is sustainable for the long term, meaning that um, I can continue to have a high level of productivity for the things that I'm growing above the earth, above the soil and things that I'm growing below the soil for generations and, and am a positive impact on the environment. Absolutely. That I appreciate the answer. And, um, you know, just curious too, just on kind of the surrounding ecosystems. One thing I've found really fascinating is I've, I've learned more about this and, and studied more about soil health is just how, um, everything really ties together. And it really is, kind of one big circle, uh, you sort of alluded to it, but, but talk a little bit about how good, healthy soil can positively, or I guess the opposite can negatively, if it's not good, healthy soil impact, you know, um, the surrounding ecosystems. As far as soil health, we have, you know, a, some good examples just in history, as we look, uh, in, in areas of the world that have been farmed for thousands of years and, and where they're at today and the effort that it's 
going to take to get those back into production. So we know that that there are some things that we can do better if, if we're going to be humble enough to learn from history. But again, a lot of these things, you know, it's not just organic farming. It's just common soil, you know, common sense for soil, for plants on things that we do, you know. And so as we expanded out, in addition to tillage, rotations, cover crops, we have things like buffer strips, uh, nutrient management, uh, you know, preventing the movement of soil off our fields, trying to keep our water, you know, within the soil profile, all of that. Um, I've had the opportunity to participate in some work that we, that uh, some folks were doing in California, where we were looking at uh, some beneficial insect habitat that planted in, in and amongst uh, some of the rows of vegetable crops and seeing the increase in beneficial insects and the decrease in some of these uh, negative or, or predatory insects uh, that, you know, that harm the crop. Uh, and, and, you know, it increases in, in pollinators and things like that. And so, you know, we, we see more of that in organic farming because there's some, you know, there's the, the philosophy behind that. There's the requirements within your SOP that you have to do. But, you know, it's it, it shouldn't just be organic. It should just be the way, the things that we do and the way that we farm. And, yeah, we've got to, you know, we'll make some adaptions from one region to another. But, uh, yeah, it, that whole thing. I mean, we're what we do in our field is related or affects everything else around us. And there's some things that we can do that we can do better. There's some, and we and we've been. I mean, we're doing a lot of things like the four R's uh, for nutrient management. I mean, that's been a a huge thing, and it's not like it's new. We've just you know put some marketing and some branding behind it, but it's things that you know, we taught in, in soil, our soil science classes and, and for years, and, and we know, and now it just, you know, put it in a concise way that it makes sense. And so what, what are the four R's? So right play. So the right product okay. in the right place at the right rate and at the right time. Awesome. And, and that's, and, you know, and we often hear about it in, in, in relation to fertilizers and nutrition, but you know, all of our pesticide products, all of those things, you know, we can subscribe to that philosophy. And, you know, and it's not new, it's just, we've got to be doing it better and improve on the things that we've been doing in the past and, and take credit for what we've done, but let's get better. Let's do this better. And, and organics has a lot of, of things that, that we can incorporate across agriculture in general. Sure. Talk about, uh, you know, obviously, and, and we've tracked the growth of the organic market at Biostar, obviously. Um, but talk about, there's a lot of, we associate fast growth, I think, well, at least I do, with that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's good. But what are some of the challenges that fast growth brings? I know, you know, everybody's had a really hard time the last couple of years with COVID and with supply chain issues. Now, inflation, we're seeing you know, some really high prices for fertilizers and other products. Talk about some of those challenges of, of growing fast or a market growing fast. And, and I guess how Wilbur Ellis, you know, can help aim to, to solve or mitigate some of those challenges. Yeah. You know, and, and you talk about uh, inflation and, and especially in regards to nutrition, 
when you look at the price of fertilizer as it's as it's uh, continues to increase and 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 demand you know is increasing and supply is less there are more people are interested in manure and looking at manure mm -hmm. and so now all of a sudden you have these organic growers who are competing with conventional growers for that same manure that mm. you know that, that they didn't have any those organic growers didn't have any problem getting and now that's become a key nutrient source you know for nitrogen phosphorus potassium uh, as well as for the you know the soil health benefits of that and so this growth you have more people and then with everything else on top of it or, or more growers than everything else on top of it you know the the manure is getting more expensive there's challenges with that uh the transition time i think people are beginning to to really see the value of organics i think the 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 market is there and so there's some place that they can take their produce but you have a three-year transition time Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's not very much ground anymore that, that you can just pull out and go right into organic. Uh, most of our ground is, is being farmed and so has that three-year transition. So that's a big challenge. One of the other things that we're seeing is that more of these box stores are trying to make organic products more competitive. And so trying to in, decrease that gap between conventional produce and organic produce and so as the organic prices come down it um it makes it less sustainable less appealing for growers and so that will be a challenge but uh i think people have the, the the number of acres that we see coming in i think people have weighed that and decided that that's not a big issue but the transition time is a uh, a challenge the 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 number of products one of the things that uh, one of the common fertilizers that we're seeing now, in addition to manure, is uh, people are using the protein hydrolysates, and those are short supply. They're hard to get a get over from, uh, you know, overseas wherever they're from. Uh, they're getting expensive, and so, uh, you, you know, and then and then there's always the question about sustainability of using fish, and uh, as as production increases, as the levels of production, as more acres come in all of those things are going to there's going to be a demand for all of those things and so you know there's some society, some societal and some ethical sustainability things that we need to figure out and understand for this really to continue to grow like we want it to that's awesome thank you for all of that it's been uh we've been watching the manure price actually follow uh or the fertilizer pricing excuse me and we follow a lot of i have on all of our social accounts we follow a lot of farm influencers which there are more and more of these days uh and they're they're really fun to follow because they give you really interesting you know insights into their day-to-day -day lives and practices and all the things that they do to be sustainable and i just you'll i think our listeners and viewers who aren't in the ag space a lot of them are but those who aren't uh, I think as you kind of dig in and, and follow some of these farmers, you just find more and more that really farmers are are probably the most sustainable people in our whole country or world. They're, they don't ever want to waste anything, right? They're always looking for ways to uh, reduce, reuse, recycle, uh, and gain efficiencies. And that's been really cool for me to follow. This one gal the other day posted, you know, why are people complaining about the price of eggs? And well, here are all the different things that, you know, I need to use to raise 
the chickens and showing the price increases that they've seen across their farm. And it's just amazing. So, I mean, you know, um, made me feel a little bit better about, you know, the $8 and 99 cents or whatever it was I paid for eggs last weekend. So, but, um, but follow uh, Biostore Renewables, follow Wilbur Ellis online if you don't already. And we share a lot of those really cool um, farm, farm influencers. I call them farm influencer accounts. Uh, who give awesome got awesome insights into the ag industry and and all the good things that our farmers and our country do um, as we wrap up here, Jason, just tell our listeners and viewers how to find you online and how to find Wilbur Ellis. We'll include links and social profiles to the extent they're available in the show notes. How can people keep in touch with you online? So for on the web, it's just WilburEllis.com. Um, and then uh, if you search Wilbur Ellis on LinkedIn, Instagram, or uh, Twitter, uh, we have social media accounts. We have both for the corporate Wilbur Ellis and then for the ag business division. Uh, those are all separate. Uh, those are the, the easiest way, just Wilbur Ellis. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. This has been um, really, really interesting. We hope you'll come back on the show. Uh, This has been another episode of Renewables. Again, I'm your host, David Smart. And Jason Ellsworth, thank you so much for making the time. And thank you for the episode. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be here. Absolutely. And for our listeners and followers who are listening right now, please remember to hit the follow button uh, follow so that you stay up to date with our podcasts. We have a great second season underway. We're right in the middle of, so a lot of good episodes coming and uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. This has been another episode of renewables. Thank you. Hello, and thank you for listening to renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. 